Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Humble Kate Noble was just brilliant the other night. I'm really enjoying that course. And I want to tell you, I've never enjoyed church so much in my life. After kind of a year off, I'm, I've lightened up. I've got energy. Um, I was too fat and I had to have an angiogram during the week. But it scares you enough to make you, make you lose weight. And the heart specialist says to me, Actually, your veins are pretty good. <laughs> but he said, gee, you're unfit. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I swim and I walk every day, but not far, mind you. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll weave that into the message, but just, just remember the shock of, and you know when you're flesh, you want to go, shut your face. <laughs> your spirit, you're like, I need to hear this, thank you. Um, so <laughs> those things are funny. Um, what we're sharing on is processing life for good mental health. It's just a two-part series. Today's part two. Part one was you must have the presence of God. Part two is your true identity awaits. It's actually being formed right now. Like when people say to you, geez, you're unfit, how you, how you handle the message. And you know what? There's this old saying that I love, by the way, that helps us all with our teachability. I heard a really wise man say once, Don't reject the mail because the postman's got dirty trousers. It's like when you go and buy your hamburger and chips, you don't think, now, did this guy treat his family well this morning? Otherwise, I'm not going to buy his food. You just just order the hamburger and chips, don't you? Sometimes God uses someone to give you a message, and it's not about who they are, it's about who you are. And can you receive that in spite of who they are? Because remember in the Bible, sometimes he used a donkey. Sometimes he used an unrighteous person. Sometimes he used a righteous person. But there were messages from everywhere. Let's move on. Um, So in a way, what sums up today's message is learning to walk the same road in a different way. Um, One of the things I've had to do to lose weight, because I've had many unsuccessful attempts. It's working for me. There's like this grace on this. Um, I'm thinking I graze all day. So basically, I'm eating breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner and supper. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, if you want to lose weight at the moment, I'm going to give you grace, double your exercise and halve your food. So I'm having a, and I'm not recommending this for anyone else. This is just my individual thing. Because you know how everyone wants you to do their thing? Don't do my thing. It probably won't work for you. Um, I have a coffee in the morning because it takes away the hunger. Then I have a healthy lunch. I can have a healthy snack in the afternoon. So what I would have spent on crappy food, I've now spent on fruit. Really nice. Some, I didn't realise there was such good quality fruit out there. <laughs> if you're prepared to spend the money <laughs> that you save on chips and ice cream. Um, and then, you know, dinner. And, and I'm going quite well with it. Look, the weight's dropping off. And look, if I turn sideways, you can't even see me, eh? Uh, anyway, I'll just recap, because I'm using kind of the same scripture we used in part one, just to tell you the story. Elijah has one of the most amazing victories in all of the Bible over the prophets of Baal, and fire comes from heaven, and consumes his his sacrifice and he outdoes them. It's amazing. But then Jezebel, a really manipulative, authoritative woman, wants to kill him and promises to kill him and he does the bolt. He panics and flees. And It's kind of a weird thing that he does that. Um, it may come up on the screen, but I'm jumping through it. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. 
Then he goes, he goes, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than others. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So he was quite suicidal. An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. But watch this. He doesn't get up and eat. He's too depressed. Verse 7, the angel Lord comes back a second time, touches him and says, get up and eat. I don't think of the second time it was, I think the second time it was like, get up and eat. <laughs> like a bit more authority in it. Um, and girls think that's harsh. But listen, I'm a bloke. I get what sometimes works with blokes. You know, excuse me, could you get up and eat? Nick off. Get up and eat. Okay, sure. It's just how it works with testosterone sometimes. Um, so he does get up and eat, but then he runs again and he travels for 40 days and 40 nights and he's even more exhausted. He goes into a cave and spends the night and he's like, I've, I've had enough. And then God himself comes. What are you doing here? It's like, you're so unfit. What are you doing here? Go out and stand on the mountain and he has that experience, you know, where there's earthquake and fire, but God's not in the spectacular things. It's just he's in the light breeze and the still small voice. He's in the quietness. Sometimes we've got to shut out the noises and sometimes you've got to shut out the spectacular. You know, sometimes when you're young, you want the spectacular God thing all the time, but he just works so often in... He, sometimes he's spectacular, but he so often works in the quietness. Um, and it goes on. Again, God says, what are you doing here? You're so unfit, you shouldn't be in this place. Or I'm just adding my little bits to preach to myself. He goes, I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. He talks about the prophets. And God then gives him direction. He says, go back the way you came, which means he has to confront things. Okay. And my main scripture will be in a minute out of, out of Corinthians. Um, so your true identity awaits, and you are right in the midst of your identity changing. Our newlyweds, your identity changed. How good is it when you get engaged? It's like all of a sudden when you get engaged, your life takes a clear direction path, and you think, wow, I now know where my, where my life's going. And you get married, and your identity has changed to become one. And so there's times like that in, in life where your identity is changing, and so is yours with whatever God convicted you with this week because he's working on your identity and he will not let you stay the same because the Bible promises this, he will complete the work he has begun in you and God's really determined with that, never in a rush but if you've been around as long as I have, sometimes he's so determined with me that he'll just corner me and people think, oh, you're, you're so... Um, you're so you're such a righteous, godly man, the way you choose God. Well, on all the big decisions, he just cornered me. There was no other way to go. You know what I mean? And then people start giving me credit for it. I thought, wow, God's determination with me. He doesn't muck around at all. Um, you've got that thing up your arm in the hospital. and Anyway, don't worry. I'll get sidetracked out of self-pity. Um, but I, I just want to show you something. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. So I, I would think this is just a thought, so I want to be careful with it, and, and you be careful with it, but there's some truth in this, not 100% true. I sometimes think what or who we think our identity is in this given moment probably has a little bit of error with it. Like lots of truth, because you know yourself, 
but there's some things God's yet to work on. And you know, sometimes when he tries to convict you, you just don't get it until he turns up the light really brightly. And you think, whoa, I'm worse than I thought I was. I've been living under grace more than I thought I was. So just, I just say that to help you, your soul be teachable to the, to the Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll just read this. Because even Paul, you know, one of the greatest men in history... And in, in the Bible and, and in the New Testament, um, probably John the Baptist and Paul are the two standouts apart from Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 6 to 10, I'll, I'll just read this. He says, Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking in truth. But I refrain from boasting, so no one will think more of me than is warranted. But what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations God has given me, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, great scripture, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness." Anyway, he goes on talking about his trials and how he'll actually boast about those and not in his own achievements. Wow. Talk about a humble attitude. Um, the thorn in the flesh is annoying, isn't it? Do you know what I've noticed this? When I doubled my exercise, um, so I'm just talking walking, swimming, and a little bit of you know gardening, but as soon as I doubled it, this knee swole up and my other shoulder froze up. <laughs> so I just had to walk really slow. <laughs> but I kept walking. And I noticed in the pool, if I walk, because I've got a fairly shallow pool, if I walk around laps, because the, the water keeps you a bit buoyant, it takes the pressure off your knee, I could actually walk a long way in the pool. So I did that. But then I noticed when I was swimming, I couldn't get this arm out, so I just swam around in circles. <laughs> but guess what? I was moving. Thank God it was in my backyard and no one could see me, because I... They would have tried to rescue me. <laughs> but it was just keep moving. And it's funny how when you want to make the shift, the resistance shows up, doesn't it? But it's just like keep moving towards Christ and you'll find eventually the other things begin to give way and you, and you start to really take new ground. It's just funny, funny how it works. Two points. First point. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was isolation. God identified it. It's not good for man to be alone. So I'm intrigued just by that. And it would be a whole separate message that God evaluated his own work. So evaluating is a good thing. Because remember at the end of each day he goes, it's good. So at the end of each day he had a look and he thought, I'm evaluating that. That's good. But he has this moment where he goes, Adam, it's just not good for you to be alone. So I realise I haven't finished here yet. Um, and isolation keeps kind of showing up. It's not good for man to be alone. Adam was the keeper of the garden or the gatekeeper and he wasn't there for some reason. He left Eve alone with the snake and bad stuff happened out of that. She was isolated. Then when they blamed each other, they became isolated from each other. And then Adam even blames God. Big mistake. Whenever we blame God, you might feel it in your flesh but you better quickly make the conclusion that if you're starting to blame God, guess who's wrong? So then you've got to process that through. So sin isolated him from God because the woman you gave me, she made me do it. 
So he blames God for that. So that isolates him from God and he hides. So there's all this isolation going on. I, I love the scripture, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's why sometimes when we're not getting on in our marriage, we work quite hard and have to go into humility and teachability, like go to God and think, I'm really not, I've got to change my attitude here and go for teachable and humble and come back to the ta- table sorry, and work it through because I don't want to break that, that cord of three strands because I find that's one of the greatest protections on my life. Ros, me, God, or the other, in the other order. Um, Carl Rogers, who's, you know, a world-famous psychologist, says the only person who can't be helped is the person who blames others for their condition. Um, Chris Hodges in this book, Out of the Cave, he talks about Elijah in the cave and, you know, the fears of life. He says, when we are in distress, it's easy to slide into emotional conclusions that distort the facts. You know how uh, someone tells you of their relationship breakup with someone else? And I'm not just talking marriage, I'm talking in the little things. When they tell you their side, you think, gee, that other person must be horrible. Then you hear the other person's side and you think, well, they're not as horrible as I thought they were. They've got a couple of valid points there. But see how when we're hurt, we will distort the facts our way rather than be able to look at it reasonably and fairly. And looking at it reasonably is really not easy, but it's, it's one of the keys to keeping your marriage going. Um, The, the tormenting thoughts we have, especially when someone wrongs you, you know how at night it's circular in your brain? You think it and you think, oh, just think this through, and you don't. It just goes round and round. It keeps you awake and it keeps going round. He, Chris Hodges said he thinks circular thinking are often circular thoughts. The seed of a circular thought is planted by Satan. It's one of his main weapons to keep you from dealing with the right stuff. We, we get into the circular pattern, and I found that really interesting. Okay, second point. Having purpose is crucial to good mental health. I know they're not related, those two, but it's just a really strong point, and Kate Noble did talk about that during the week. Um, uh, some people say Viktor Frankl's the most famous psychologist in history. This is the guy that survived the, the concentration camps. He says, the presence of purpose gives meaning to life and leads us out of suffering. He says, the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. So he does a whole chapter on that. that whoa. Um, he says, your pain can imprison you or empower you. And I just want to tell you this. I thought this was a really good story. I just liked it because I like farming. Um, Chris Hodges tells this story. Dr. Derek Summerfield happened to be in Cambodia in 2001 as part of a medical team who would travel there to train doctors on how to use antidepressants for patients suffering from depression. And if you know what happened in Cambodia, obviously a lot of people would have had depression. At that time, most Cambodian doctors, especially in smaller villages, had not heard of these drugs. One of them said to him, we don't need these because we already have our own antidepressants. As it happened, that week, a farmer in their community was working his rice fields one day. When he, when an un, well, he heard this story that week. When an undetected landmine went off, the farmer lost his leg in the blast but soon recovered and was given a prosthetic leg. But when he returned to his rice fields, he found it awkward and painful to slog through the wet paddies. 
he became so despondent that he cried all day. So the Cambodian doctors visited the man, asked him some questions and listened as he shared his depression and grief. They realised that the farmer's response made total sense in the light of what he'd gone through. Then we gave him, they said to the Western doctor, we gave him an antidepressant. What did you prescribe? We bought him a cow. Because with a cow, he could be a dairy farmer and wouldn't have to work in the rice fields. He could sit fairly comfortably to milk the cow and take his time feeding and caring for it, and it worked. After a couple of weeks, the man stopped crying and no longer felt depressed. They knew that when people have a purpose that enables them to make a contribution to their community, they feel significant. Have you ever been through something and you've got lots of good listening ears around you, which is pretty rare because they're hard to find, but if someone does a lot of listening and you're going over and over your problem and you're sharing it more and more, you know how the first couple of times it really helps, you feel validated and you think, yeah, you kind of make some ground. But you know how if you just keep doing that, you just end up getting depressed and actually get worse? And so you don't have to rush into purpose, but to find purpose and to live for something bigger really, really helps. Um, I think our missions program is a stunning example of that, that we can give what we feel to give. And it just gets... If you heard Ros share Mission Sunday, man, it's one of the most powerful things what we do as a church. We punch so far above our weight. You're obviously a generous, caring, giving people, and it's amazing. And so I can't wait to get out there and contribute to that because it's just, it's just stunning. And it was funny. I went through this little, this little faith testimony. I thought, okay, I only get paid one day a week now, not five. So does that mean I have to give the same amount I used to give to missions? And I felt to give the same amount. And I'm thinking, I wonder where that's coming from. <laughs> anyway, I filled out the card in obedience um, and I had the card, I fill out the card Friday in obedience. And then Saturday, someone from another state heard I'd retired and said, I just wanted to send you a love gift. Um, and I've put it, I had your account details, so we've put it into your account. And it was the amount that I'd filled out the card for. And I thought, that's great, but now I'm old enough, I think. But that's not giving because, so now, now I'm going to give more. But, but, it was like God went, no, you do it by faith, I, I'll, I'll provide. Anyway, I just blew, blew me out. I just thought, thanks, God. That's huge. Um, to the little things, I, I have chooks and I like giving eggs to the neighbours. Um, but the funny thing is, in giving eggs to the neighbours, they all give me vegetables. And after six months of giving eggs, I had so many vegetables, I didn't know what to do with them. It's funny how giving works, isn't it? It's just... I don't know, it just has this effect that does stuff. Um, but Jess Stevo is part of my neighbour's giving because guess what she does? She just gives me egg cartons. So I've always got egg cartons to... So she doesn't know it, but she's part of my giving and I think God will bless her for that. She's part of the team. She doesn't even know she is. But I, I, I love that. Sometimes it's the little things. Who you are is more important than what you are called. Build your, reputa your reputation with God on the name of Jesus, not your own name. Um, and just, I'm finishing. Just let me go back to the, the trials thing. I hate trials. Um, when I'm swimming in circles in the pool, I'm not real happy. <laughs> but here's, here's what I found, this scripture. Where is it? Where is it? 
Um, Revelation 2.17. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the hidden manna. So you know how manna in the Bible only lasted a day you had, and you got fresh manna the next day. But some manna was put in the Ark of the Covenant and it never went off. It was always there. And that scripture refers to, I just studied a few Bible teachers, that when we overcome our trials, there's this extra revelation God, God gives us. It, um, it said it like this. Reserved for you is a higher degree of spiritual food for those who overcome their trials. But your trials are the key. I thought, wow, I love that. And I had this, this little thing happen. Um, uh, there's a guy named John Canone. And uh, when I was first in the ministry, I was sitting to him, at a, sitting next to him, when I first came here, sitting next to him in a pastor's conference. And he pulls out this big hunting knife. I don't know him from a bar of soap. He's carving away on this piece of wood. And I'm thinking, the guy's probably a terrorist. I'm get, you know, so I kind of want to move a few seats away. But the other side of me, I better get ready to tackle him in case he goes for the speaker, you know. I thought, well, will I go low or will I go high? Will I just stiff arm him in the head? I'm a bloke, so I'm a bit of a warrior, so you think like that. <laughs> guys get it, eh? Goes, yep, fair enough. The guys go, do you sit there and think like that? Yeah. So anyway, I get to know him. And he's just the most fantastic guy, but he's ACDC, so he carves while he's listening to preaching because he can't handle just sitting still. Um, so eventually we're at a conference and he spends the whole week carving this for me. It says Grace on one side because he knows that was my favourite topic and Macquarie Life Church on this side. And I've had it for like 10 or 12 years. And I had to clean out my desk the other day so they can use my office for other people. And it's like, hey, buddy, clean your desk out. <laughs> Not really. I keep teasing them. Um, and this is lying on my desk at home. And it's lying like that. And for the first time, I see that carved into the bottom of it is to mark with love from John, 2010. But the carving was nice, but the most important message was, I love you. And isn't that what God's like with us? Isn't it like we get all the other messages, here's your direction, do this, do that. And we... But really the most important message is when you stop or he gives you the higher revelation. I just created you for myself. Let's, let's come aside together. And it's like that hidden thing that he eventually reveals to you. So I just, it really, it really touched me that something I had missed. Time to finish? A few minutes? Two? Okay, five. All right, great. I'll take four. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au.